0: Hello, folks. I'm Joel Van Hoogen, and this is the Bread of Life. Our program is supported by your gifts, but it's brought to you out of the heart of two ministries. One is Church Partnership Evangelism, where I'm the executive director and have been for over 30 years. We're a disciple-making ministry among the nations. To learn more, go to traincpe.org. The other ministry is the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho, where I'm the Bible teacher. And this is the word that we feed on. In 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 1-7, through 7, we have related to us the wonderful story of God's gracious provision for a widowed woman through the prophet Elisha. In the story, we see how the grace of God, which expands to universal and great measure, also arrives into the homes of needy people in small and measured doses of His care. Listen in now to a sermon entitled, Grace Behind Closed Doors. unearned goodness and kindness of God expressed in your life is grace. There's a definition for grace. The unearned goodness of God and kindness of God expressed in your life. There are different expressions of grace and there's different levels of grace. There are expressions of grace that come out from God that are common to all people. Health, provisions, abilities, the capacity to know truth the enjoyment of the ability to enjoy things of beauty and things of delight and then individuals all individuals have unique expressions of grace that they experience according to their varied circumstances and needs for example there can be for individuals worldwide miraculous and marvelous escapes from death unexpected provisions in their moment of profoundness necessity that sustain them and carry them forward and if we go over internationally and meet with people anywhere in the world we can ask them if they believe that a God who made all things loves them and they'll say yes and we can ask them why do you believe this God loves you and they can share with us stories of how God provided for them or met them in some point of great need or God offered them some wonderful way of escape and these are testaments of grace God has given to them and this grace comes to them regardless of whether they know God or believe in God God just gives it commonly to all men and all individuals but then for the individual who has believed in Jesus Christ as their savior from sins there comes to them this pointed in grace of saving grace the grace that God gives to those that he appoints as his sons and daughters and this grace is the free gift and the unearned gift of salvation from all of your sins and all of its penalties. It's the unearned gift of forgiveness of sins. It's the unearned gift of a reconciliation with a God who hates those sins and yet loves you. It's the unearned gift of God adopting you into His spiritual family. It's the unearned gift of God Redeeming you back from the slavery and degradation and deprivations that sin brings upon your life. It's saving grace. It's a grace that comes to those who have trusted in Jesus Christ for salvation. And when you trust in Jesus Christ for salvation and you receive this saving grace and you gain all of this unearned favor that God pours out specifically in a saving way upon your life, after that, you become the recipient of grace upon grace. Of gift after gift of God's special provisions for his children. And those who receive these gifts, this first, this great gift of salvation, remain to experience all of those other expressions of grace, even the common graces that other people experience them, but we experience them in a different way. We don't experience them as, in a sense, momentary gifts that God gives to guests in his world. We receive them as Gifts that God gives to his privileged sons and daughters. Receive them with a sense of great satisfaction and we're almost proud about it. This comes from my dad. This is what he's provided for me. They're expressions of our belonging to him. We're sons. He's our gracious heavenly father. The Lord Jesus is our wonderful savior and friend. And they bestow upon us these graces. This morning I want us to look at the story that we've just read from 2nd Kings and I want us to take from it at least 3 we'll just have 3 this morning 3 things that we can learn and discover about and begin to appreciate this grace that comes to God's child and this grace that is available to all who would believe and trust in his son A woman's husband has died this husband was a member of the school of the prophets Schools that were probably initially initiated by Samuel many years ago, before even the kings began to reign in, in Judah and in Israel. But schools that have been revived and been carried out by Elijah and now have been taken over and are under the direction of Elisha. Her husband has devoted himself to studying and learning God's word and taking what he's learning and teaching to others. And interestingly, if you look at the economy in Israel, there was a provision set up for the welfare of Those who functioned as priests in the land for the priest of God in the temple. For them, for the Levitical tribe, which was one twelfth of all the people, land had been set aside for them. Special offerings were made for them. Provisions were made for them so that they could carry out their ministry to the nation and be provided for. But this wasn't the case for people who were prophets. The prophet had no one to provide for him but God alone. The prophet lived a meager life, and so oftentimes when prophets are described to you, they're wearing wool and coats, and it's really an expression of the impoverishment that they lived in as they carried out the service of God. And here's one of these sons of the prophet who's studying and ministering in his community, a community that's likely not receiving the ministry that he's offering up. And he's found a way to make a living for himself by harvesting some of the uh, oil that comes from the olive grove in his community or around in his land where he lives but apparently the olive trees have failed in this year the crop has not been good he's indebted he's died with a creditor who now has come to get his pay the rule of that day was simply this when a man borrowed something the collateral that he laid down for what he borrowed was his own life and was the life of his sons and if he couldn't pay it back he paid it with the collateral of his life. He became an indentured or a servant or a slave to that man. And that lasted until the year of Jubilee. And then he was released from this indebtedness or this inservitude that was cast upon him. This man has died. He's died with a significant debt to a creditor, a debt that cannot be met. And this creditor, by his own right and by right, according to the law of the land, is coming now to enslave the two sons of this man in order that the debt might be paid The woman goes and tells Elisha her story. He asks her to take an inventory of what she has in her own home. And all she has in her home after taking inventory is but one small cruise of oil. He calls her to, in faith, gather empty vessels from all her neighbors to close herself and her sons into their home and to begin to pour the oil out from that cruise into those borrowed vessels. She does. She does. And the oil keeps coming from her crews until every empty vessel is filled. Every vessel that she's borrowed, she goes with joy to tell Elisha what's taking place. And he tells her now, sell, sell all that oil and pay off your debt. And then you can, and your sons can live on all the proceeds that's left over. That's a story. It's a wonderful story. Let's find some applications to this great story for our own lives. And the first thing I think we should observe is this. First, Observe the extensive sweep of God's grace. Observe the extensive sweep of God's grace. It goes from great to small. Just in the last story that we've studied about this, there's been another expression of great saving grace or provisional grace that God has made through a miracle that's happened in Elisha's life. Three kings, the king of Judah, the king of Israel, and the king of Edom, have gone out through the wilderness on a roundabout march to come on the backside to attack a rebellious king of Moab and to bring under rule this rebellious king of Moab. But as they've marched out and gone their way, they've made a miscalculation. And they've run out of supply. And they've run out of water. And now they're in danger of dying, even before they go to battle, and ending in a tremendous failure because their animals are about to die, their soldiers are about to die, there are three large armies from three nations that are suffering at this moment in time, and three kings that are about ready to expire as well and come to an amazing defeat. It will be a defeat for these kings and for these armies, but for their nations as well. And God provides a miraculous answer. Elisha has been following along along the backside of this trail. God has obviously called Elisha to be near to them. And so he's following along the backside of this great parade of these armies marched to the wilderness. And now that they're in dire straits, And they discover that Elisha is nearby. They call upon Elisha. Elisha gives them instruction from God. The valley that you're in, to fill it with ditches, and then God will provide water for you. And they do it. And then we're told that water comes from Edom, which was a mountainous area, a dry mountainous area. But water flows out from Edom and fills those ditches, and they're delivered. It's a rather amazing, grand expression of grace. Three great armies, three kings rescued by a torrent of water pouring out from the mountains, filling ditches that have been filled up in a valley to provide for these armies. That's the story we just talked about last week. Now, this next story, Elisha is returned into the region of Israel and a single widow comes to him and her husband has died. Her two sons are about ready to be indentured as slaves to her creditor. And she has nothing to provide for or meet the demand of the debt that's upon her. And God graciously provides for her need. Do you see the extensiveness? The sweep from grand and great and massive and a massive individuals to one sole individual, one sole insignificant seeming widow. Grace goes to her as well. From the greatest to the smallest, God's grace flows. There is a better illustration of this, by the way. There is no greater moment in human history than the moment in which Jesus Christ went to the cross to die for our sins. The Bible actually tells us that this moment in history was planned for before God even created mankind. The Bible calls the Lord Jesus the lamb who was slain Before the foundation of the world. So Jesus came. And the moment came. And all of the torrent of sin that has accumulated upon the earth up to that point in time and all the vast rivers of sin that would communicate thereafter in every individual who ever walked upon the earth was poured down in one moment, one intense moment in human history when the Lord Jesus hung upon the cross and there all of the history of human rebellion and defilement and sin and pain and suffering and misery was poured out on Christ. There's not a more intense moment in all of the history of the earth. It's the highest mount of grace because there the greatest expression of grace was offered up, unearned. Us deserving the wrath he experienced. Us deserving the pain and the suffering that he experienced. But he experiences it for us. There's no greater portrait or picture of the majesty and greatness, significance of, of grace outpoured, and from that point, then all grace to us flows from that mount. But here's an interesting thing. As Jesus hung upon that cross and suffered upon that cross and bore the sins of the world and of all human history upon that cross, at that moment, He he noticed one lone, widowed woman at the foot of the cross who needed to be taken care of Mary. And so as he hung upon the cross, the apostle John tells us in John chapter 19, verses 26 and 27, the Lord Jesus turned to his mother, Mary, and said to her, Woman, look at your son, directing her attention to John. And then he said to John, John, here is your mother, or look at your mother. You see that? At the moment in which the most intense and the most profound and the highest expression of grace that we might ever know was being expressed on the cross, Christ stops to care for one widowed woman and meet her need. Thanks for joining us today at the Bread of Life, a ministry of church partnership evangelism. To learn about our work around the world, go to traincpe.org. Until the next time, may the Lord bless you.